a privilege to worship the Lord together. Let's lift him up.
above all names. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you for your blood. We thank you for your grace. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, BCC family and uh, family and friends. And uh, those of you tuning in this uh, morning, we are so glad that you're with us. Uh, I'm excited about uh, what God is doing and uh, how things are unfolding. I hope you're staying safe and uh, just rolling along. There's a lot of things in this world that we can't do a thing about. We have no control over them. Uh, but there are things that we can control about us. Our attitude, our our, our outlook, uh, how what we're going to trust, who we're going to trust, what's important to us, our values. Lots of things that are uh, key that we can have a say in. And uh, so you know what those things are. And uh, let's let's continue to move in them. In them. We're, we're talking about when the going gets tough. And uh, the world just keeps going. This whole year, uh, most people are trying to write off already. Uh, people are saying this is like the worst year in human history. Uh, but I don't know. You know, this, this year in, in the, the tough times has also created opportunities right for us to to see what we're made out of to to be pushed further than we ever thought we could be pushed and uh, opportunities that we would not have if what's happening wasn't happening so I say let's keep moving forward let's keep uh keeping our hands clean wear the mask we are the finish line is 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 right there there's light at the end of the tunnel we're going to get there and uh at, at BCC, we're doing all that we can to stay safe, and uh, we're, we're home again today. We're not live uh, in our auditorium uh, because of a, a small scare, and we wanted to make sure that everybody was safe and healthy before we uh, fired up again. So next week, uh, this, this week actually, we're going to go live again. Uh, so Wednesday night, we'll be live in the Fellowship Hall with our Bible study, and then next Sunday, we'll be live gathering together to worship God, and we'll also be uh, on Zoom, and we'll be on our website for Sundays for uh, our worship time. So join us, and uh, and uh, we'll just keep rolling with it as it unfolds. Well, when the going gets tough, we're, we're, we're looking at how people in the Bible responded to trials, because what they did, and how God viewed it, and what God did in their midst is important to us, because uh, there's a good, there's a good, uh, there's a good chance that that God is doing some of the same things in our life that He did in their lives, and that our response uh, will bring about some of the same results that they saw. And uh, so it's exciting to kind of go through that. Our our springboard verse again is in James about you know having a right attitude, realizing that trials are going to come. And then knowing that they're taking us to maturity, they're taking us to completion, they're taking us on a journey somewhere. And so that's important. And we are, we are looking at different Bible characters. And uh, we've been looking at Daniel. We started last week. I introduced Daniel. We didn't get very far into his book, but we talked a little bit about Daniel and who he was and how God set the stage in Daniel's life, but what we find in Daniel's life, the, the 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 big thing that we want to remember is this: everything that came in Daniel, and and a lot came at Daniel. We're going to kind of march through some of the chapters and just share some of the highlights of the chapters. We're not going to dig a, a very deep, 
but I want I want to be able to just show you all the things that Daniel went through and yet he stood tall in the midst of them like when the going got tough for Daniel Daniel like he rose to the occasion like that is just insane you know that that's how I want to be when things happen to me I I don't always respond like that I don't always rise to the occasion sometimes you know things knock you down you know they they cut your legs out from under you and and they bum you out but um but I want to be more like this. I want to stand tall more than I fall, you know, and I want to, I want to keep my eyes on God more than I take my eyes off of God. And so uh, I know that that's only going to happen by, by keeping my focus on the Lord. And I hope you'll want that for your life as well. Daniel stood super tall. Well, what, here's kind of where we were. Uh, we were uh, read about chapter 1 and, and the life of Daniel, a little bit of the life of Daniel, and then we got into chapter 1. And what happens is we see uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he comes in and he besieges Jerusalem, where Daniel is from and lives, and all of uh, the Israelites are in that area. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes in, takes over the city, and drags uh, people out. He, uh, he takes them to Babylon. And he is going to turn them into his slaves, basically. He has conquered them. And so what we see is Daniel. Uh, this is not an uh, actual picture of Daniel. But, you know, we see a, a Daniel-like kind of person with other young men being carried off to Babylon. And, and they're going uh, to be made to uh, serve the king. Uh, Daniel and some of his friends, plus some others. And so um, that's what happens and that's what was going on. The stage was kind of set last week as the, the Babylonian brainwashing uh, kicked into gear. Like they, they're, they're training these young men that are Jews to think like a Babylonian, to act like a Babylonian, to understand the Babylonian culture, and then to, uh, at some point, serve in the king's court in Babylon. And so what we found out was Daniel was going to have none of it. Uh, like Moses, who was raised in uh, Pharaoh's court, he wanted nothing of Pharaoh's ways and culture. He always identified himself as a child of God, a child of Abraham's, and he identified himself as one of the Jews or one of the Hebrew children that were being uh, enslaved in Egypt. And in the same, this is the same case. Daniel is in Babylon being raised up in the Babylonian court but he is not going to identify himself as one of theirs. He is going to remain a faithful servant of God's. And how awesome is that? Um, that? That no matter what happens or who's in control or what takes over what, we belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Like we belong to Jesus. We belong to God. We are his child. What can anyone do to you? They can't take that away from you if you are locked on to being a child of God. So nobody can take that from you. They can kill you. They can torture you. They can do a lot of things to you. They might take our money. They might close your bank accounts because you say that you are a child of God's one day. They may shut you down because they're going to they're gonna call us intolerant because we have a standard that we live by and that we have morals that we're going to allow to, to guide our lives. And the world doesn't want you to have those. The world wants everyone to just 
be so neutral that anything goes, that any lifestyle, any mentality, any way goes. And, and we're seeing that right now in our world, aren't we? We're seeing people do things in cities all around this country that have never been allowed. Never. And there's an evil rising up trying to destroy people and this country. And the cool thing is, they can take our lives, but they will never take our faith. They can't. They can't take your faith. It's in you. And they can't take it away. The only way they get it is if we give it to them. The only way they get it is if we bow down to them, or to the world, or to the government, or to politics, or to, to whatever, whatever is wanting your allegiance. And what we're going to see here with Daniel is he's faced over and over again with these these confrontations of who his allegiance is going to be to. Who is he going to be faithful to? Are you going to bow or are you going to keep your eyes on your God? And in every case, Daniel passes the test and, and we, we will do well to be like Daniel as much as we can. So here's what happens. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, still he's the king here in Babylon, the one who carried them off. He has these dreams, lots of dreams and dreams, and they torment him. They frustrate him. They, they, they make him mad because they're vivid dreams, but he can't understand what they mean. And in his kingdom are all these wise guys, magicians, and uh, sorcerer people that he calls on, part of, his, part of his, uh, his leadership court. And he relies on these guys to interpret these dreams, to tell him what these dreams might mean. And it's crazy, but in just about every case, they're unable in the book of Daniel. And there's a number of times, visions... And dreams that happen and in every time Daniel rises to the occasion and God gives Daniel a wisdom that we just don't see in our world anymore the ability to understand things that are unseen in a way that that we we don't ever see and so that's what's happening here and so the king is having these dreams right all these dreams and it's uh, in chapter 2, it's the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he has a dream. And um, it's his dream, but he calls in his, uh, his satraps and his, uh, you know, his sorcerers and astrologers and those guys. And he wants them to interpret the dream, but he doesn't tell them what the dream is. It's a mystery dream, and he wants them to tell him what it, what it is and what it means. And of course... Uh, they're unable to, but here's, here's what the dream was. It's a dream about a statue that has different, it's made out of different materials, gold, silver, brass, iron, and then feet of iron and clay. And so he has this, this, this vision of this large statue made out of these different materials. And then what happens in the dream is a rock not made by the hands of men, comes flying in, blasting the feet and destroying the whole statue, breaking it into pieces. Pieces. All the king's men, all his little leaders, could not describe what this vision or what this dream was all about. 
And so Daniel is brought in, and Daniel basically says, God will destroy all of the kingdoms in this way. And here's what the scripture says, chapter 2, uh, Daniel says, The great God, the great God, in other words, his God, the only true God, all these other false gods are just figments of their imagination that people worship that mean nothing and have no power whatsoever. The only other power out there, other than God's, is the devil, and that's because we know God, God has told us. He's told us that the other evil force in this world is Satan. And we have seen God go up against Satan in the past. We've seen the devil go up against Jesus. We've seen the devil go up against people in the scriptures. And so we know the devil is real. He is the only other power out there. All these other man-made gods and, and uh, false gods are, uh, are an offshoot or an offspring or, or some kind of a, a, a branch of the devil that he has gotten people to believe in just so they won't believe in God. Anything you want, the devil will create just so you don't worship the one true God. Daniel says the great God, the one and only God, has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation, he says, Daniel says, is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and he paid him honor and he ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer, revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and he lavished many gifts on Daniel. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. So Daniel's over them all. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those other friends of Daniel, administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained in the royal court. How awesome is that? Chapter 2, this king has this crazy dream Daniel's able to tell him what it means, and all of a sudden, Daniel, because he stays faithful to God, he doesn't bow down to the world around him, he gets promoted in the kingdom of Babylon, and now he's over lots and lots of people, and the influence of David or Daniel is going to become great. But he's not going to stay there. Daniel's going to find he's going to run into obstacles. He's going to run into people who don't like him. He's going to run into people who want him to fail. And so he gets knocked down and he climbs back up and he gets knocked down and he climbs back up. Chapter three, what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar makes a statue. He makes this big golden statue. How quickly we forget, right, what God has done in our life. And that's what's happening with Nebuchadnezzar. He just was told this interpretation. He just said how awesome the God of Daniel is. And now he erects this golden image of himself. And the goal is that everyone, everyone is to worship this golden image. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, not happening. We're not going to do it. You can do what you want to us, but we're not going to do it. And then you got to love Daniel's response to the king. All right, they're brought in, or Shadrach, 
uh, Meshach and Abednego reply to the king. They bring him in. They say, you need to bow down. And they say, we're not going to bow down. And here's what they say. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have, we have, right here, sorry, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If the God whom we serve exists, then he is able to deliver us from the blazing, blazing, fiery furnace and from your hands, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you. Let, even if he does not rescue us, not even, even if he does not exist, because they know he exists. It's just a matter of, is God going to choose to rescue them or not? He says, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. And so the king sets up the statue. He says, everyone will bow down and worship it. And if you don't, you're going into the fiery furnace. You will be thrown into the furnace and you will be torched. And so they say this to the king, we're not going to bow down. Our God is able to save us. And even if he chooses not to, we are not going to worship you or anything else. That's boldness and that's courage. And that's the kind of boldness and courage it's going to take in this world going forward if you're going to stand your ground for God. Let me just... Let me just say that to us today, because it is not going to go any easier as we go forward. People who claim the scriptures as their guide and their rule, people who claim to worship the one true God, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, people who claim that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, the only way to, to the Father, people who claim that they're Christians and that they have morals and values in this world, are going to be persecuted from here on out. There is an evil that is penetrating the hearts and the minds of people that will not allow for you and me, who claim to be followers of Christ, to continue to believe what we do. And then to say that to other people, or to try to get other people to live within the realm or the kingdom of God. They don't like it. They hate it. And they will hate us for it. The day is here. And it's going to, the volume, the heat is going to slowly get turned up more and more. And these guys are dealing with the same thing back in Babylon years and years ago. And they stand tall. They say, King, you can erect your statues all you want. We don't care if everyone else in the kingdom bows down and worships you. We're not going to. I hope, I hope, brothers and sisters, you and me, I hope that we will have that kind of courage and boldness and strength when the moment comes, when those decisions come in your life to, to cheat or not to cheat, to, uh, to, to sell out or not sell out. I hope in those moments when those times come and they're coming in different ways, little ways, maybe subtle ways right now, but they're going to get louder as we go. I hope you, like Daniel, will stand tall. Well, here's what happens. They get tossed into the fiery furnace, right? That's what happens. They get tossed into the fiery furnace, and they went. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here, these three get tossed into the furnace. And 
they look into the furnace. Well, first of all, the king is furious that they said what they said to him. And so he says, heat the furnace seven times hotter. And so he, they heat it seven times hotter. They toss Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. And what do they see when they look into the furnace? There's not three of them in there, but there's four. And the fourth one looks like the son of man. And so there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're dancing around, hooping it up in the fiery furnace. They are unburned, unscathed. They are unharmed. They are dancing around in the fire. And there seems to be the Son of Man, the Son of God, in there with them. When you stand up for God, when we decide we're going to stand for the Lord, the Lord is going to stand with you. And in this case, they said, look, even if he doesn't rescue us, we don't care. We're going to worship him. God chooses, in this instance, to rescue them. And see, he's in there with them in the furnace. So they feel his presence. They know his presence. And, and it's even a physical thing that those on the outside can see his presence. And so the king says to, to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hey, come on out here. Come on out. And so they come out, walking out of the fiery furnace, and God has come to the rescue because Daniel stood tall and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the face of testing and trials, stood tall as well. How awesome is that, right? How awesome is that? Chapter 4, okay, we're going to keep moving through these chapters. Chapter 4, what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar, he's still in power, and he has this dream of this huge tree, right? He's sleeping, he's wrestling, he's antsy, he's stirring, and he has this dream of this huge tree. And what happens is the tree gets cut down and all of its branches stripped away. And so what once was this beautiful tree is now this barren looking hunk of wood dying now. He has this vision and Daniel comes to him, and Daniel says, O king, the tree is you. You may be wealthy in the king of Babylon, one of the greatest empires to ever exist. But Daniel says, O king, as much as this may hurt, as much as I don't even want to say it to you, that tree, king, is you. Your kingdom is going to be stripped away. You are going to be stripped away. It is all going to be taken away from you. And then Daniel says, but there is hope. There is hope, King. Kind of like we face in our country right now. Like, like it may not look promising going forward, but our only hope is the same hope that King Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 4, verse 27, when Daniel says to the king, if you will repent, if you will turn back to God, if you will bow down and worship the true God, the maker of heaven and earth, not the maker of some little kingdom here on earth, some ground and some castles and bricks, but the king of the universe, if you will bow down to him and honor him, king, then you can avoid what is about to happen to you. But the king ignores, King Nebuchadnezzar ignores Daniel's call to turn back to God and repent. Now, he has seen God work a couple of times just in, in Daniel's life. We have seen him, God, work in amazing ways, and the king understood that God is God. But even again, 
Again, so hard-hearted we become so fast. He says no, and he doesn't want to turn and repent to God. And so 12 months later, it came time, and all of his royalty was stripped from him. And in chapter 4, verses 28 to 37, the scripture tells us that the king is out now in the wilderness, no royalty, no riches. He has become a, like a madman. He is eating and wandering the wilderness like an animal, like a wild beast. And that's what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Finally, finally, King Nebuchadnezzar, after being as low as one could possibly go without dying, he comes to his senses and he remembers who God is and who he is. And here's what happens in chapter 4, verses 34 to 35. It says this, At the end of that time where he went wild, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. This is what we must do. This is what you and I should do every day. We live on this earth. We, in light of eternity and in light of God and spiritual things and angels, we are nothing. We are made out of the dirt of this earth. We are low. We have, we, have, we have no greatness in and of ourselves. Any good that we are or have is because God has blessed us. And this is what we should do. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raise my eyes toward heaven. And, and my sanity was restored. I could think again straight. I could, I could remember things that, that matter. Then I praised, he says, I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures for generation, from generation to generation. All of the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. <laughs> he does as he pleases. With powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Nebuchadnezzar went through a crazy time and Daniel kind of went through it with him. And if it wasn't for Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar would have hit bottom and stayed there and died. But because of a man named Daniel, who stood his ground time after time and remained faithful to God, even in the midst of great testing and trials, King Nebuchadnezzar finally comes to his senses, and he honors and worships the God of Daniel. And he begins to realize just who he is in light of the, the God of creation. Just like you and I need to understand who we are in the light of God and creation. Oh, time, our time flies so fast. Chapter 5, we're going to do chapter 5, and we're going to kind of wrap this thing up, I think. So here's what's happening. King Belshazzar, so, so the, the time of Nebuchadnezzar goes away, he dies off, and the next king is Belshazzar, and he's in power, and he throws this huge banquet, right? This big banquet. Lots of nobles, lots of... Um, uh, women and prostitutes, and it's a big binge. They're partying and they're drinking. And, and he wants, I don't know if you remember this last week, he wants to use those golden goblets 
that when they when they took Daniel and the people from Jerusalem, they besieged Jerusalem. Remember, they went into the temple and they stole the goblets that were used by the priest. Those are sacred things. And so they're now in the kingdom of Babylon. And now this king, Belshazzar, he's having this party and he wants them to bring the goblets into the party because they want to drink with them. They want to party with the goblets. They want to use these awesome goblets from the temple in Jerusalem that were used to worship and honor the God of all creation. And they want to desecrate them by using them at this ratchet, wicked party. And so he brings the goblets in and here's what's happening. They've got wine, they've got concubines, and they're drinking, and they're praising the gods of silver, and the gods of gold, and the gods of bronze, and the gods of iron, and the gods of wood, and the gods of stone, which we know are no gods at all. They're nothing. They are just, they are just little shoots, little offsprings of Satan's ways of, of drawing people away from God, the one true God. And what happens is while they're drinking, while they're partying with the goblets, these fingers appear. These fingers appear and they begin to write on the wall. They begin to write on the wall and the king watches as these fingers write some words on the wall. This is a big hand. Sorry. This is a big hand and it's writing on the wall and his face turns pale his, he became frightened, of course, and here's what it says. His legs became weak and his knees knocked together. <laughs> like Don Knotts and the ghost of Mr. Chicken, right? He is just shaking in his boots. I mean, I would be too, and so would you if this happened to us. And, and again, the wise guys come in. The writing happens. The wise guys come in, and they, they look at what's been written on the wall, and they could not explain it. But Daniel, Daniel could. And Daniel says, and Daniel, Daniel, the king says, whoever, whoever is able to interpret what this means, what that hand on that wall wrote and what it means, the king says, I will give you all kinds of treasures and I will promote that person to third in power in all of Babylon. Remember, this is not King Nebuchadnezzar who Daniel kind of worked with and, and became a kind of favored through. This is now Belshazzar, the next king. He doesn't know Daniel hardly at all. Probably doesn't even like Daniel, but Daniel gets his chance and, and Daniel and whoever interprets this dream is, is going to be uh, promoted to the third place of power in the kingdom. In Daniel chapter 5, here is what uh, Daniel says. Here is what God is saying. And we're going we're gonna to end with this. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with this last little section right here. And I, I just hate that we can't get through more. But next week, we're going to hopefully get through the rest of the book of Daniel. And we're going to add some application and put a bow on it. And, and learn, hopefully learn some things from the life of Daniel that will empower all of us to be more like him and stand tall like he did. But here's what, here's what Daniel says to the king about the handwriting on the wall. Your majesty, the most high God. Again, Daniel points to, the, he, he's always pointing to one person in all of the greatness. It's always God. God did this. God is doing this. God is God. He is awesome. He's always pointing to God. That's why I do what I do because of God. And, and Daniel is just always the most high God. He gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, 
uh, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all of the nations and the peoples of every language dreaded and feared him, Nebuchadnezzar. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart, king, Nebuchadnezzar's heart, became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped from his glory. Remember that? The tree, the God gave even Nebuchadnezzar the vision of the tree that was stripped and now it's gone back to bite him. And, and Daniel's trying to help the son of Nebuchadnezzar understand, you better be careful or the God of all gods will crush you. Beware. Be, be careful. Don't, don't become arrogant in the face of God. You will pay the price. God will have the last say. Verse 21, he was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal, remember, in the beast. Uh, he lived with the wild donkeys and he ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, you have not humbled yourself, though you knew all these things. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription, and this is the inscription, and this is what was written. Many, many tekel parson. That's what was written. Here is what these words mean. Mene means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, you, your kingdom is divided and will be given to the Medes and the Persians. And then Belshazzar commanded Daniel, uh, command, uh, at, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck. He was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, was slain. And Darius, the Mede, took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Just insane of, of what, what God is able to do. When a person, I mean, you think about the life of Daniel as we wrap this up. The, the, the application to the life of Daniel in his book, his letter, we're going to get to next week. Promise we're going to get through the rest of the chapters. There's only... Six more chapters that we'll move through quickly, but, but the application to the life of Daniel we're going to get to. But if you think about what Daniel has been through just in the, in the few chapters we've dug into, you, can't, you just can't help but understand that this is a man who not just stood tall, who not just said, you know, I worship God, I'm a Christian. But he, in the face of death, in the face of being destroyed, killed, uh, he stood and spoke, and he said what needed to be said to the most powerful king all around. 
and he wasn't afraid. He just simply stood tall and knew and trusted that the God of all creation would be with him. And so you and I, you know, what we face in this world isn't anything like what Daniel was going through in Babylon. It's, it's just his highs and lows were so big. Ours are Ours go up and down, but they're not as drastic. You know what I mean. But wherever they are, stand tall. Let's learn from Daniel and let's be like Daniel. Let's have the courage and the bravery that Daniel had. And no matter what happens, don't bow down. Don't cave in. Don't give in to the ways of the world or people that are bent on doing evil. Don't give in. Don't give in. What's going to come out of this in the chapters to come uh, and as we get into this, uh, the application, I want to just give you a quick sneak preview, is this. Daniel helps us understand who we should vote for. Believe it or not, Daniel is going to help us understand who you should vote for in any election, especially the coming election. And so I hope you'll tune in next week as we talk about, sorry, as we talk about the rest of Daniel's life, those final chapters, some application, and what Daniel says about how we should vote. Uh, it's going to be amazing, and I hope that you'll join us. Uh, please be safe. God bless you. Stand tall in a world that is crumbling. Father, we love you so much, and we pray that you'll walk with us just like you walk with Daniel. The same God who walked with Daniel is walking with us, and we are amazed at that God. We know you want to do incredible things in our life and through us with us. We want to be, I want to be a part of that. I pray, God, that every one of us will want to be a part of something amazing that you're doing. Just help us to be faithful and to keep our eyes on you, to honor you in everything that we do. Honor you in all that we do, that we wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't take a picture. We wouldn't be a part of a joke. We wouldn't be a part of anything in this world that is, that is not in line with who you are, your holiness and your goodness, God. That, that we would be pure, holy, and set apart for the God of all creation, the holy and true and one God who made everything and is going to send his son back to rescue and to save those who are fully devoted to you. God, help us to be those people. Please help us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.